Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Meet Chris Giogo, the CEO of Yogo Co. He is driven and he is determined to make the world a better place. Chris is focused on helping people and the organization they belong to to pave the road into a more utopian world. I had to get him on the Chainsmakers podcast to look at what does that utopian world look like in his mind and what are the organizations that are going to be thriving in the future and what is actually not going to be accepted before long. I love his view, I love his vision, and I love the way that he sees we can all become the change that we want to see in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Chris Yogo. Chris Yogo, welcome to the Changemakers podcast. Such a privilege to have you as our guest. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You and what you're doing, Chris, is so exciting. I mean, you're all about building company cultures. You're about you're about uh, how to create a culture in an utopian way. I mean, that if that isn't out of the box, uh, I don't know what is. <laughs> and uh, and you have this thing about vision and drive to see uh, social responsibility being placed in, 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 in the world that is in a unique way. And I would love to hear, first of all, what originally drove you? I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and why are you at where you are today? Uh, all right, big question to, to start things off. Why are you the way you are? <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, a whole bunch of it boils back to your parents and upbringing and everything. And a big part of that for me was um, my parents had me when uh, they were in high school. So, you know, pretty young, especially by today's standards. Um, and they ended up, you know, splitting in my childhood. And I ended up getting to see a lot of like two very different sides of very different people. So my dad's an engineer, very pragmatic, you know, okay, here's a problem. How do you solve it? Um, almost, almost devoid of any emotion. My mom is on the other side, psychologist and social worker, uh, you know, very into, you know, what are emotions? Why do we feel this way? What do those things tell us about ourselves? What can we do about that experience? And I think seeing both sides of that and trying to find a place where you can put that together is uh, something I was naturally looking for. And then as uh, I, you know, got into my career, I knew I always wanted to do something kind of on my own. Uh, I got an opportunity to be a partner at a, a full service agency before I started my own. And there, um, it was a positive experience in so much as at least you get experience from a negative experience. So it wasn't anything I'd want anyone else to go through, but I learned a lot about how to and not to uh, run a company culture and how to treat clients and some things like that. And so ultimately stepped into doing something on my own. And then with a, a bit of guidance from some incredible people we have uh, on our advisory board, um, really kind of shaped us into the, the team we are today. And, you know, that's very well aligned with 
both our team and my philosophy around life itself. So being able to find those people that believe and support kind of a similar goal and then be able to work towards it. Mm. And tell us more about your, what, what are the things that you're doing today that you feel are making you and your team different? That's the weird thing is like, I never thought it was going to be really different. I, I, you know, you only, I've only worked at a handful of places. So, you know, maybe I've worked in 10 companies over the course of, you know, my career before I started uh, my company. Mm. But the thing that I wanted to build was something that I would like to be a part of, even if I wasn't the one running it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that is that I, I just kind of borrowed from all the things I did and didn't like from experiences I had before that. So I feel like a lot of companies do a bad job of treating their employees like adults and giving them the context to act like adults. I feel like a lot of companies treat employees, at least I always felt like, oh, they kind of treat you like a child. Like, oh, you go do this little thing and you be here from eight to five and these are the things you can do and these are the days you can be off and this is how far in advance. Whereas if you give people an understanding of, okay, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what your role looks like in that. And you can be here when you need to be here to do that and don't be here when you don't need to. So we don't have any fixed working hours. Uh, we do unlimited vacation. We have all of the flex time and the trade-off for that is, you know, you're expected to deliver on the part of the, the gig that's yours to own. Um, we try to be really mindful of, you know, environment. We, you know, also aim to be really, really mindful of focusing on the fact that people bring their whole selves to work. They're not just that part of them that, comes to the office. They bring all of their personal life and social life and all those things, other, other things into it. So being mindful of that and appreciating it and trying to celebrate that and understanding that you, know, you can make any experience a good one or a bad one, no matter how minor it is. And so really try to be cognizant of that fact and make sure every experience somebody has, whether it's interacting with a client, a coworker, whatever the case might be, is a, is a positive one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds so ideal. It also sounds to me when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, wow, that must have taken you quite some time to become that person, become that leader that is brave enough. Funny enough, that's the word that pops up for me, bravery, um, to give people this freedom, to trust them, to do the task, and at the same time, knowing in your heart that by trusting them, they're delivering. Tell me a little bit about that. Is that, am I right there? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it was funny. You call it bravery. It was kind of something we accidentally stumbled upon. Yeah. So, I mean, as we, we got started, the first member of our team, our creative director, Max Lawler worked with me remotely and he and I, you know, we'd see each other maybe once a year and would work whenever we needed to work and we got the work done. And that, kind of became true of the people we began to look for and acted as a magnet for. But the the area where we really stepped into that and aimed to do it at any level of scale was at the end of 2014. I had mentioned that advisory board I put together. At the end of 2014, we were working with some clients that all of us really agreed. We loved working with, looked forward to calls with them. You'd joke, you'd have fun, loved the mission. And then there were some clients where it was just, we were we were all basically wondering like, should we still be doing this or should we just kind of all go our separate ways because it's that miserable uh, to work yeah. with these people. And I had shared that with the advisory board and they had challenged me a little bit about how the company aligned with, you know, our vision for our lives. And then also asked, okay, well, if 
this is the type of impact you want to have in the world. What types of clients are well aligned with that impact? And we realized like, oh, imagine that. The ones we really like working with and are excited to work with and really love their mission are also the ones that are aligned with our purpose and the life, the difference we'd want to have in our lives. And so then we did a little bit of an exercise where we also took a look at the outcomes we were able to generate for them. And across the board, all the ones we felt well aligned with, we were outperforming uh, both those industry norms as well as just internal uh, metrics for success. We were you know, outperforming ourselves on those ones. So at that point, this would be the only act that I, I feel might constitute as brave was we let go about 25% of our clients that we knew didn't fit or align with what we wanted to change in the world. Yeah. And then moved forward, you know, recruiting only new clients. So when you got to make payroll, that's a dicey thing to do. But we, we pulled through, we realized we had like, you know, we might've let 25% of our clients go, but we had like 40 or 50, maybe 60% more free time. And we were able to invest that time wisely and, you know, better building our processes, making it easier for more people to join, uh, better identifying some of the things that play into our culture so that as people join, you know, there's not a question. It's not up in the air uh, of what's expected for you. By that point, you kind of know what you're getting into. So uh, we try to give people the best chance to succeed because uh, it is, for some people, especially a very different type of working environment. This is so interesting. So in fact, by saying goodbye to those that you were not resonating with created that new space for you to bring in more of those that you do. Yeah, it was very much, I don't remember who, you know, suggested it, but they said, you know, if you're a magnet, you'll repel the ones that aren't a good fit and attract the ones that are, and it will feel less and less effortless. And I thought that that was kind of BS at the time, (laughs) but uh, you know, a year, a couple of years later, you look back and you're like, Oh, that was the turning point. That's where it all started to happen. That's where it all started to happen. Yeah. And that for me, that is being brave for, I think uh, a good number of humankind to, because you, uh, you know, as, as a, as a business owner myself, you, you do want to have this, the steady income so that you can at least pay your staff. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, those are the core things that you, everyone is looking for. Um, what it, uh, one of the things that I've noticed in, in the, in the business world today is, you know, there are so many things that are changing. There are so many, there is this uh, new paradigm of different type of leadership, different type of, of, of workplaces. And you're just describing one of the, the differences that are already established in so many businesses, but of course, not everyone. So I, I'm curious to hear from your view on where do you see uh, the involvement? Where do you see businesses are going to, how, how they're going to involve and their company culture? I mean, as an example, if you would look, and I know this is not a prepared question. So audience, if, if <laughs> I don't know, it's because I just, I'm just throwing things at him. So if you think five, 10 years from now, what, what would you see the norm in the business world? Ooh, all right. That is, yeah. Five to 10 years is like my, that's the tricky spot. You know, it's like next year is pretty easy. And like 40 years from now, you can make some good guesses, but that's yeah. a, that's that middle range. That's harder to define. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, I think you're going to naturally see. Let me check. Let me change that and say, what would you like to see? Oh, well, what I, that, that's a way easier question. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what I would like to see, I think, 
you kind of see this with every uh, you know generation. You see like a couple of lurches forward and a couple of steps back as you know power is transitioned, and you find some of the things from the old guard that worked well, and some of the things the the new guard coming in brings in. And so, you know, here in the states, you, you couldn't find a riper example of that than what's going on politically. But I think it's there's a similar you know change happening in the workplace where you know this generation that's been raised you know to be a little bit more conscious of the earth and to focus a little bit more on giving and the social impacts of of what you're doing that they're starting to take that into the leadership roles they're stepping into so i think there's going to be a lot more awareness um, of impact and kind of the ripple effect organizations have so not just looking at you know a, a single bottom line i think that that's going to certainly play a bigger role i'm also hopeful that more and more people as technology continues to grow, um, especially with things like uh, narrow AI continuing to advance and, uh, you know, robotics becoming more and more uh, popular, that we start to think a little bit more about kind of why we work and what is the role of work in our lives mm -hmm. and really start to build organizations that are kind of built a little bit more around that purpose as opposed to you know, just kind of a singular bottom line. That's always going to help drive a market economy, but doing more and more that's aligned between both the market and the impact uh, is what I would love to be able to see. And I've certainly got some philosophies around why that and how that could happen. But that's something I'm hoping in our small way to, to endeavor to happen as well. Yeah. And how do you see that happen? Um, okay. Uh, so <laughs> there's... Um, you know, a lot of talk here uh, around, are you familiar with UBI? Yeah. Yeah, so universal basic income. And it's it's a fascinating topic to me. I think it's like the natural path we would want to follow towards uh, mm -hmm. any kind of utopian future where if we really want to give everyone an equality of opportunity, there's yeah. so much we say is, oh, well, you have just as much a good chance as anyone else. But if somebody else's parents are working two and a half jobs to keep the lights on and stuff, and they're not there to teach the kid and the kid falls a little bit behind and then they struggle in school, like, did they really get a fair and equal opportunity? Yeah. Probably not. So I think, you know, if we were to look at, I think if any organization or any country looks at their citizenry as kind of a, almost like a pool of people that you're investing in the way a venture capitalist invest in companies. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. Like, there's going to be some people that'll mooch off the system. That's the biggest argument people always have for me is like, well, what about people that just take the money and, you know, just play video games or whatever all day? And yeah, yeah there will be some that do that probably. But yeah. then you look at if you get, you know, a single Einstein, a single Farnsworth, there's so many people that they are just drawn and will follow these passions. And if you could empower them, to follow that, that's where you get your 100x, your 1,000x, your 10,000x return on that investment. And I think if we were able to find a solid way to build that platform for our you know, citizenship to basically follow the pursuit of whatever their passion might be, and those couple that make that breakthrough by being able to dedicate their life to their science, their art, whatever the case might be, the society would advance more quickly than we do now. And I think everyone would be a lot more fulfilled in following it because they'd start to think a lot more about why they do the thing that they do instead of feeling like they have to do the thing that they do. Ah, uh, that's a total transformation in, in, in mindset and 
really align with what we, the change makers, are doing with the no more boxes movement, um, looking at people as who they are and allowing them to share their knowledge and skills and expertise and background and all of that, regardless of their gender or of the race or their faith or. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I think if you look at, because you talk about the raising people are more aware of what happening, what is happening to our mother earth and to be more gentle and look at our own responsibility and sustaining our planet um, and then when it comes to the human resources, it looks like we are constantly focusing on what is separating us, not what is uniting us. And as a result Absolutely. of that, we're only tapping into a fraction, tiny, tiny bit of what every single one of us can contribute on this planet. So I, I, uh, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I um, mean, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. So what would you say, and this is my final question. So if we stick to that five, 10 year ideal view of company culture and, and, and running a business and being mm-hmm. in business, uh, who in your opinion will be thriving and who will be dying? Uh, so I think a lot of that will depend on uh, how some, some money gets moved around because you start to see, uh, you know, I know here in the U.S. on the, like the East and, and the West Coast primarily, there's a big push and a lot more of the states are becoming, you know, fully powered by or majority powered by renewables. I believe Iceland is one of the first that has had entire days and weeks uh, that's been fully powered by renewables. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been there for quite a, quite a long time. That's yeah. So there's yeah. certainly some that are ahead. So I think that there's that. I think that's one of the biggest transitions is going from a fossil fuel based economy to more of a renewable and sustainable uh, side of things. So that makes them a huge winner. But I, I think a lot of the energy companies also see the writing on the wall, which is why, you know, they try to pivot over and build things in their favor. So I, I'm hopeful that in either way, the transition happens, that it happens in a way that is most beneficial for all of us and not a way that holds over anything from the past. And hopefully we can break that up. I think that's going to be a big one. I think understanding the entirety of the, like the economic and environmental impact of your uh, supply chain is going to start to be more and more important. You know, we see more and more people ask, well, okay, was this sustainably sourced? Like where did this come from? But we ask that for things that are, usually fairly easy to to track you know it's like okay great where were these vegetables raised or where was this animal raised Mm -hmm. but i think for those parts that are you know manufactured about you know the cell phones where you've got ceramics that are sourced from all over the world and you know electronics and all the pieces and all the components that come from all these different places like that's pretty tricky to track i think it's going to be more and more common for people to want to know that you have like an entirely sustainable supply chain and that paired with uh, I think a little bit more focus on user experience and retention is going to be the areas that really win Uh, I think with all these people that get like a big valuation for attracting a user base really really quickly and then get purchased for you know hundreds of millions billions of dollars whatever the case might be uh, I think we're starting to see that that's going to become a little bit more the norm where okay great if you can build up a uh, hundred million users uh, in a couple of years, 
what's to keep somebody else from doing that a couple of years later and that disruption and that changing of platforms becoming something that's a little bit more just a market condition. So having more customer experience and customer retention, customer loyalty, I think is going to be a really big part of who wins in especially that five to 10 year range and doing more in terms of the sustainable supply chain. Yeah. I like that. Wealth. I'm going to, I'm yeah, going to look yeah, for that one. Yeah. That's the one we're trying to push it towards. Exactly. Chris, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the Chainsmakers podcast. And uh, we will be sharing in the show notes how you can reach out to Chris and get all the more information about who he is and where you can find him. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the Changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.